17 of the IntelliCast podcast. My name is Adam Jolly. Joining me as always is co-host Brian Noir. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing okay. It's a little weird today, I gotta tell you. Why is it weird? We're through this. We're sans producer Brian. (laughs) Where's poor Brian at? Uh, He's looking for some kind of uh, anecdote to some kind of crazy flu that he's got or his kids got. It's really going around. I think it's Canadian. Um, so, so if you can't hear this, it's on it's on him. I blame most of the technical difficulties on him. Um, <laughs> hey, I've got some exciting news. If you have any questions, if you'd like to reach out to us at any time, you can reach out to us at IntelliCast at EMI-RS.com. You can also follow EMI at EMI underscore research on Twitter. My own personal Twitter is Adam Jolly, J-O-L-L-E-Y, all one word on Twitter. We have a new Twitter. <laughs> it's not yours. It's IntelliCast on Twitter, and that is IntelliCast1. So that's I-N-T-E-L-L-I-C-A-S-T-1 on Twitter. And um, I promise that we will hunt down whoever has the original <laughs> IntelliCast. We will not stop until that it's ours. So hopefully that works. What's going on with you, Brian? Um, enjoying the weather, number one. It's finally <laughs> winter. It's yeah. finally over. We skipped spring. We're right into summer. Um... That's the main thing I think going on is enjoying the weather, doing a lot of yard work, boring stuff. Um, yeah, it's kind of that time of year. I like I reached down into a bush the other day to try to yank it out of the ground, and I got like stung by like wasp and like all kinds of different needles and stuff. It's the outside world is a harsh, harsh world. It's, it's been a while since we've been it, out there. It's well, yeah, because in winter, like you don't care about how evil the outside world is, but now all of a sudden you're out there, and it's the worst. Yeah. Um. Uh, you want to talk about some market research news coming up? Oh, yeah. Should be fun. Uh, so, APOR is coming up, which is the opinion research. A lot of polling type stuff, and uh, it's a conference in Denver that we are going to. Um, have you ever been to any APOR conferences? I haven't, but I read the uh, the book. Have you read the, um, kind of, a, the, what do you call it, the conference handbook or whatever? I, I, no. Did you look at that? No. They ha- who, are, who makes this? Okay. This is intriguing to me. I was like, oh, what are they talking about at APOR? I looked it up. It's like 180 pages. Clearly, 180 pages? Clearly academics. Yeah, clearly academics. And it's not even like many ads. Oh, nerd like, alert. Like oh. most of our market research is what? Six pages? Here's the topics. Here's the speakers. Here's an ad. Yeah, okay, right. go have fun. No, this is like 180 pages of content. I couldn't get through it. I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure it's valid. Well, yeah. I mean, is it kind of like the thing where, like, you make a PowerPoint and it's just like all the words on the PowerPoint, and you're just, you're just having reading something to somebody? No, I, I feel like it's four days, but there are sessions and workshops and speakers and events and nighttime stuff and motivational. I mean, it's amazing. There's a lot going on there. It's a big conference. We'll see. <laughs> I'm going to. Uh, I'm just going to say we'll see how this conference. Is. I don't think we've ever been to it. Um, Dietrich's really excited just because, you know, it's political polling. There's a lot of that opinion research type there. I think there's a lot of polling people there. And it's, you know, midterm elections. We just had a lot of primaries came up this last past week, especially here in Ohio. Um, so it could be exciting. I mean, I think there is a real opportunity for somebody to say something or yeah. sell something or buy something. I think there's a lot there. Absolutely. Um, other than that, uh, you want to put the bow on MRMW. Uh, it was great. Billy was a great guest last week. I really enjoyed her. So many compliments yeah. from people that have listened to her. say, wow, she was such a great guest, such a great person. Yeah. Uh, and MRMW is coming back to Cincinnati next year. 
I, I didn't know this. This is breaking news to me. Yeah, well, I read the rundown. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of breaking news. You know, I think Peterson mentioned this to me, but it was in the middle. Like, he was, he said, like, hey, <laughs> I'm going to go run to Tim Hortons, and I need to pick up some more syrup. Did you see the Bruins game last night? Hey. Also, MRMW is back in Cincinnati next year. <laughs> That's a typical conversation with him. Basically. And then I think he mentioned something about Nickelback or Michael J. Fox. <laughs> One or the other. It's a great hip-hop theater. Um, that's, that's fun. Yeah, yeah. Not bad. I um, I did. I think that's enough market research news. Yeah. Yeah. Let's wrap it up. Okay. So we have a, we have a new segment to introduce because we have no guests this week. It's called the Research Hot Takes. Okay. This is an idea that I stole from the um, – so ESPN has the new show Get Up featuring Mike Greenberg, and we, which led us to have a conversation about Mike Greenberg this week and our honesty about Mike Greenberg. I, uh, I was really early in on Mike and Mike. Yeah. And then Greenberg just got annoying to me, and Golik just became like just a weird dad to me. But there's a there's a thing that they do on this Get Up show where they basically throw out a hot take, and then they, the host of the show, discuss if there's any merit to it. Like, is there any merit? Is this a real thing? Is it something that is just blowing smoke, right? Just noise and not signal. Um, so I thought we could do that today. We, we got some requests in to the Intellicast at EMI-RS. I will not reveal who gave us some of these oh. things. Eh, I didn't want to... I mean, some of these are pretty bad. Uh, <laughs> and we're kind of going in blind, right? We're going in blind. Yeah, I haven't read over any of them. I just printed out a bunch them. of pages. Um, okay. It makes me want to do a, uh, a greeny tease. <laughs> you know, anyone who has ever listened to Mike and Mike, or if you've listened to like Ryan Russell or Bill Simmons' podcast, they talk about the greeny tease. Where he'll like give a tease that, so you come back after the commercial. Yeah. Um, and so he'll say, so coming up, I'll tell you the number one market research trend that'll keep you... From drowning. And you're like, oh my gosh, I gotta hear this. I gotta get it back. I gotta hear what this trend is. Uh, anyway, let's jump into it. I uh, First one, submitted via email. <laughs> to me, um, how much do long length of interview surveys online affect data? And is there a turning point or a breaking point with a length of survey to where your data starts to be affected, Brian. Well, so yes, <laughs> long length of interview affects data, but to me, the more important part is the nature and the topic. So I think I would take a survey personally if it's something I'm interested in. Sure. Like I'm interested in city of Cincinnati government. That's kind of a boring topic for a lot of people. I'll take a survey on it. Current events, I will. Anything I'm passionate about, I'll, I'll take a survey as long as it's kind of relevant. That, to me, is the key. You can go long unless you are just throwing it in the kitchen sink and it's a really boring topic. That's, that's my take. I agree. It's engagement over length, um, an engaging topic, uh, entertainment-type topics, or something with a cool type of programming design. Like I think like there's yeah. like shelf-testing-type st- things like that, uh, flip-book-types, like... I think there's more pressure on programmers now to keep people engaged than there are, yeah. you know, people trying to design surveys. And maybe it's that the design has become more on programming companies. 
yeah to keep people engaged rather than like the grid type thing like that because you're never going to get past something where a market research like i have to ask 80 questions on a survey yeah. like, you're never going to get past that. i know what we keep pushing and pushing yeah. i don't think we'll ever get past that but we can yeah. change some engagement type so yeah i think there is um do you think is there a time usually? Well, what have we seen like time where like you start to see engagement start to slip? I think it's, most people say fifteen minutes or yeah. so. But we talked to I talked to a partner yesterday who said they're doing twenty five minute length of interview on mobile devices routinely. Like they don't even that's not a problem as long as the topic yeah. is okay. Well, no, I, I don't think it's a problem at all because the amount like mobile phones are becoming the browser. Yeah. That we're using today, you know? Sit on the couch, relax, multitask, take a oh survey. Gosh, veg out. There's nothing. Yeah. It, this sounds horrible to say, but there's really nothing better to me. So, yesterday was Wednesday. I'm always in the office on Wednesdays. I'm never usually traveling on Wednesdays. We usually have a company meeting in the morning. We talk about everything. Like on Wednesdays, it's our weekly company meeting, it is 100 different topics. I have some one-on-ones with some sales reps I'm talking through. I have a sales meeting. I have numbers going through. So when I leave here on Wednesdays, I'm spent. Yeah. And nothing is better to me than at, say, like 9, 10, clicking on the DVR, saying, oh, my gosh, a new episode of Real Housewives of New York is on? Oh, my gosh. I wonder what Luann's going to get into this week. Turn off my brain. Veg out. I'm on Twitter. I'm following the Celtics game, yeah. following the Red Sox Yankees game. Yeah. I got the Housewives on. Yeah, vegging out. I'll take a 50 right. minute survey. What right. doesn't matter? I'm take the same them all. Way. Same way. Awesome. Next topic. Um, hey, Adam. <laughs> it's me. Not sure how hot this is, but we have seen an uptick in community slash hive work internationally in B2B audiences. And there seems to be a lack of panels oh. slash partners that can support such work. <clears throat> is this a trend? Brian, you take it first. Yeah. Um, I think it's a big trend. Um, I think a lot of brands are now building communities of people to do kind of short, quick, easy research. And I would do that too if I were a big brand. You could probably cut out some of your research. Um and you can kind of reach them anytime you want. So I think it's an uptick, and that is, it is absolutely correct. They're hard to find for us and, and everybody in the industry. It's tough to get people to join a community, typically because most of them are unbranded. I yeah. can get a lot of people to join a Starbucks community or, sure. a, or a yeah right Cincinnati Reds community, but I couldn't find people, hey, here's a generic community where we pay you 12 points to join. That's the tough part, I think. It's kind of an engagement thing here too, right? Yeah. Do you think communities started out to where they were like more maybe like super loyalist or things yeah. that you grasped onto one thing that somebody's passionate about and they're a community of like-minded people? So maybe a lot of times that was ailments types. Yeah. And maybe that was like a certain brand. Um, so companies like Community Space and Vision Critical built these kind of on a smaller niche side. Yeah. I think more and more communities are popping up and the demand for those smaller types doesn't really meet the supply. Yeah. On the other way, it's like they've tried to rewrite the rules of what a complete is, yeah. right? So you think in the online survey world, we have, you know, basically complete. Somebody goes through the survey, they complete it, they hit the end pages or whatever, and that's complete. With a community or a hive, you go through the survey, you complete the survey, then you opt in and say, yes, I want to join this community. You pass through the screeners. And then usually there's almost like a triple opt-in on the other end, like, okay, yeah. you've created your login, you've, you're actually in the community, and that's when it's complete to them. And there's so much of a drop-off between, like, panel companies 
stubbornly haven't come up with a way to accurately like diagnose that like they haven't accurately yeah. forecasted it how many do they need to send to get to the end number to actually do yeah the extra steps they've kind of washed their hands and thrown it up as far as accountability wise yeah it's getting harder and harder maybe it's a change in price structure maybe maybe yeah. i think that's where i'm going at is i think like panel companies are like man it'd be really scary for us to throw this at a 28 dollar yeah community join but if that's what it takes to get somebody to join and go in and maybe you play with the incentive and you don't give them the incentive until they log into the community or something like we're far enough in technology to where there should be changes in how communities are built and there haven't been in probably five years right yep and um one thing i was going to say is that it's when we have data quality issues like in a regular quant study a lot of times the problem is not the panel the problem is the survey so someone who's running the survey um, is not speaking to the audience, or it's boring, or too many grids, or it's not mobile friendly, and that's not really on the sample side. A lot of times when we're looking at quality is because of that. I think likewise on the community side, it's the same thing. You can't think of a community as a quantitative survey. You have to keep people engaged. You have to throw different activities at them. Sometimes it's quantitative. Sometimes it's qualitative. Sometimes it's a bulletin board. Sometimes it's just a short little survey. Sometimes it's something fun. And you have to have that different mentality, I think, to have successful Community, that's, that's, um, that sounds easy, but lots of people struggle with that. Yeah, I agree. Next topic. Yeah. Um, trap questions. Oh. I believe that trap questions harm the respondent experience enough to truly reduce quality engagement. I do not believe they help with quality measures as much as they insult the intelligence of the respondent. Yeah. That's a hot take. That's good. I agree. And, but it's a necessary evil. It's really sad. I feel bad for respondents. I mean, imagine the life of a respondent. You get an email. I don't. No, it's your choice. Sorry, go ahead. All right. <laughs> you get an email to take a survey. You're willing to give back for your you yeah. know, 14 cents. And they ask you age and gender and income and zip code. And then you get moved. Oh, I'm getting kind of moved. What's going on here? Oh, same questions again. Oh, I'm, like, I'm the same age as I was 30 seconds ago. Right. Oh, now I'm getting moved on again. Oh, maybe I didn't qualify for this. Oh, what, what kind of question is what color is the sky? Are you kidding me? What's two plus two? Um, it is ridiculous that we have to go to those lengths. But unfortunately, we have to. It's, it's, it's really sad. It really is. See, I think that there, we're coming to a state where like we can use technology and different algorithms, much like how CAPTCHA kind of started this, yeah. where that can become kind of the trap. You can do less trap questions yeah. and more other type of measurements of technology to find if somebody's engaged or paying attention. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily feel bad for respondents all the time because it's a choice yeah. and you sign up to take surveys. And I think that a person that's going to take a survey is going to – if you – decide to join a panel you're going to take a survey no matter what like like there's a the level of abuse hasn't gone up to where like oh my gosh we're out of respondents like i'm never gonna yeah. have a problem finding gen pop respondents um you know it's like a choice just like i mean there's some other stuff yeah. i'll say but that's i'll stop there well by the way what's your success rate on a captcha i'm about 30 <laughs> percent well it's interesting <laughs> I, I was talking about uh john mulaney has the new stand-up on netflix and he talks about how robots have become a bigger part. And he talks, starts to talk about CAPTCHA. Yeah. It's like we spend so much trying to now let robots give us our stuff yeah. because they think we might be a robot. Yeah. <laughs> like, ooh, you'll never get past this, these squiggly lines and right. letters, robot. Right. It's really funny. I'm probably I, uh, one out of three. 
I always hit the give me more letters, give me yeah. more options. At least the first couple times. And I think they dumb it down for you after that. Oh. Um, <laughs> last topic? Sure. Uh, <laughs> millennial consumers are hard to find on panels. So I'm guessing like 18 to 34 year olds. Why? And do I really need to survey these respondents? <laughs> Whoever wrote this is a millennial. Yeah. Do we need really need to survey millennials? Yes. Okay. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, they're tougher to find. I think it's a lot of a lot of times. I think I'm just kind of shooting here. Yeah. I think that most panels. So is the person that wrote the question. Yeah. Most panels <laughs> have used the same kind of recruiting methodologies they have for quite a long time, and here comes these younger people who grew up with the internet, right? Whippersnappers. They 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 never existed before the. They didn't exist before the internet. Their whole life, the internet has been around. Right. And so you need different types of methods to recruit them. Shorter attention spans. I don't know if that's a millennial thing or if it's just a generational thing. We probably have the same problem with 18 to 34-year-olds 15 years ago um, in my age group as well. So, yes, tougher to recruit, but I don't think that the survey companies have done a great job of adapting to them, maybe. I don't know. I agree. I think it's maybe uh, recruiting differently for millennials than how we've recruited in the past is really a step we should probably take. So, like, we had a, convers- had a conversation with a client mm, a couple weeks ago that was asking about social media respondents. And they assumed that when we said these people were recruited socially, that they were almost like intercept social. So, like, they were, like, straight from Facebook, straight from the Farmville page, right into their survey, right? Yeah. When in reality they were recruited social, but then double opted in yeah. to a panel, yeah. and I think that is a lot different than how we've traditionally had these double opt-in type panels, yeah. or really how we've done like intercept and other dynamic type you know recruitments as well. Yeah. Um, I think that's the important way to get eighteen to thirty-four. It's just change how you're recruiting to get to them. Yep, agreed. Uh, I'm looking at the rundown now. Now that we're done with the new segment, it says current events. Let me just stop again. This is a little inside baseball. One of the current events listed on here, it's almost like he, does he think we like have nothing to talk about? Like, I mean, it's, it's a help. It says, but we're, <laughs> summer movie talk, looking most forward to, Avengers, Star Wars, Mission Impossible, Incredibles 2, other? I love it. Like, we're just like, just Neanderthals in here. I don't know what to talk about. Do you, what's going on? Nice shirt. Does that wick? I mean, what are we doing? I think it's funny. Well, well it's it's it helps a little bit sometimes. It does help. It does help. But one good thing that is easy for us is that we're both kind of into sports. We're both kind of into pop culture. Yeah. So we're we can talk about almost any topic off the top of our heads. I mean, we're not throwing in like you know the the periodic table of element discussion in here. We'd have to prep for it. We're True. talking about fun stuff that we're passionate about. Yes, we're not talking about the periodic table of <laughs> elements, but most of what we talk about is straight gold. <laughs> Put that in there. Um, you want to talk about the Derby last week? I gave out some winners. You know, bad. I saw you tweeted it out from your personal Twitter account. I did. I Not, did. It should have been from the corporate account, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, good job. Feels good. Um, I hit an exacta on the um, Oaks the day before on Friday. Oh, wow. It's pretty nice. And then I hit the exacta on Saturday as well. And I lost some too, but I wound up making more than I lost, so I'm happy. That's a good day. Two more weeks until the Preakness. Probably not going to talk about it. <laughs> this this is the end of yeah. horse talk. Sorry. <laughs> this is the end of horse talk. Sorry to all of our listeners in Baltimore. We would not be talking about Pimlico. 
Um, do you want to jump into the four Ps? Well, yes, but you know, there's breaking news on that as well. We've got new four Ps. Kind of excited. <laughs> so in the past, as you guys have listened, whenever we interview somebody, we talk serious, usually 15, 20 minutes, and then we break down our four Ps, which is kind of our play on the marketing mix. And it's always been, you know, purpose, person, place, and present. Uh, so we have four new P words. We're mixing in now. Starting this week, moving on, we're going to have these different four uh, P words, different subjects, try to learn more personally about our guest, and we're going to go with each other first. Okay. So first P is playlist. Yeah. Brian, what are the last three songs you listen to? Okay. My first one is Sundown, the Gordon Lightfoot original yeah. version, which I'm a big fan of. I was yeah. watching Blacklist the other night, and one of the scenes had Sundown in it. That's good. It's just an amazing song. I love it. Same era as my number two song is Cool Change by Little River Band. Uh, it's time for a Cool Change. I'm not really a Gordon Lightfoot fan or a Little River Band fan, but I love Cool Change. It's another beautiful song. And the other one is by the Avet Brothers. I'm a huge Avet Brothers fan. We listen to that a lot in the office when we feel like getting depressed, maybe. I don't know. Sure. No Hard Feelings is a very sad song, but another beautiful song. Those are That's my three. I bet, I bet your three is different. Seriously. Okay, so we have my Spotify hooked up. Yeah. So, uh, like, a lot of these comes to look more like No Hard Feelings. Isn't that nuts? Oh, wow. I'm looking at my Spotify on my phone. Uh, so, the last three songs that I've listened to, anyway, I'm not surprised by any of that. Yeah. Time for a cool change. That's a deep song. That's a... That's a breaking up song. Yeah. It's hard. I, I really like song, <laughs> songs. This is rough. Uh, last three songs I've listened to. Um, this is America, Childish Gambino. <laughs> oh, God. Cool. Is that the one with the crazy video that yeah, we can figure out? It's good. It's good. It's okay. a great video. I was just listening to the song. I was trying to separate the song from the video. Because the video is great and you love it. But then I wanted to hear the song. And the song just doesn't have the same hits yeah. as the video does. But... And then, uh, <laughs> Nice For What by Drake. Wow, that's great. Real, real nice place I'm at right now. And then, um, what else was I listening? Oh, My Old Kentucky Home. Oh. <laughs> no shit. We're not yeah. done with the horse talk. Yeah, we're not done with horse talk. Uh, Nick Jamerson. Uh, Nicholas Jamerson, he was part of Sunday Best, was the band we've listened to around here. He put out a solo album. He did a My Old Kentucky Home rendition. Oh. I, I think... Was I by myself drunk on Saturday? <laughs> oh, I think that might with your weddings, yeah, just laying Scrooge McDuck style. It's all my ones. It was great. Uh, next P is pundit. Yeah, pundit. <laughs> That's how you pronounce it. New segment. Favorite political figure. Yeah, Brian. Favorite political figure. Well, having about thirty seconds to think about this, I'm gonna go with Tucker Carlson, and. That, I'm not taking yours. I'm, I'm assuming I'm not. No, you're gonna get. Tucker you're gonna get better. You're gonna have some yeah. sort of weird website that I've never heard of. I'm assuming. Yeah. So Tucker Carlson is mine, and I like him for multiple reasons. I think he takes on a lot of the hot topics. He brings on guests that will challenge him. I like the arguing and the back and forth. There's a professor from Maryland who's one of my favorite guests who they disagree on everything, but I love that guy. One of my favorite liberals, and then um, I love his faces. Like yeah, he makes the craziest yeah. faces, right? Um, so I think Tucker Carlson. Um, Friends of our president, by the way. Well, okay. Uh, Trump? No, I uh, <laughs> I want Jake Tapper. Yeah, nice. I like Jake. Uh, I feel like he plays it 
as close to the middle as you can. So, you know, like, I know CNN kind of gets this rub as being the left network. Yeah. Or the, I guess not, maybe not the left network, but definitely maybe a more anti-right network, right? Yeah. So not choosing a side, just choosing what side not to. Yeah. But I think Tapper's pretty good. And it's hard for me. So the the whole idea of, like, political pundit, like somebody talks about this a lot. I don't really respect those people a, yeah. a ton. Like, you know, yeah. like, you know, last, when the Lauer stuff happens, when the Brian Williams stuff happens, like, yeah. oh my gosh, and you, and you clutch the pearls when Brian Williams was lying. But right. at the same time, like, what is, yeah. what kind of moral obligation respect should I have for somebody who reads? Right. But political opponents are a little bit different because they can enforce opinion. Yeah. And I think he's relatively fair with his opinion. I agree with Tucker's for the same way. I mean, they, yeah. you Cover know. both sides. Yeah. I, I feel You know like... when the curtain closed. Yeah. What color both yeah. are voting for. Yeah. But relatively, like aliens come down for Earth, they're not going to know. Part of me thinks Jake Tapper is just like um, trolling the White House. Yeah. Part of it is just like, I, I don't know if he really agrees with everything he says, but he knows he's going to get a right. reaction and yes. he's going to get some hits. What's the best way? Yeah. I mean, that's Love the it. best way to get ratings, right? Yeah. Next one is pedestal. So, yeah. Brian, give me someone you place on a pedestal, someone you really respect. Well, I'm kind of I'm probably gonna combine this one with the next one. Okay. A little bit. Sure. Because I'm not sure if I have a, the final P, but I'm gonna work on. But okay. anyway, my pedestal. This could be a little controversial. I'm gonna go with Kanye because I am obsessed with Kanye's tweeting. I love it that so many people are upset with him, but I think that's brave. Now I don't. He's still kind of a crazy person. He, um, very controversial. I think a lot of the stuff he says at its heart is true, but I think it's brave to say the things he says. Um, now, having said that, he will probably in the next 48 hours say something crazy that I'll hate, but I, I have a lot of respect for someone that especially is not afraid to say what he believes. I mean, he lost like 9 million Twitter followers in 24 yeah. hours. Yeah. To me, that's kind of bravery. It's easy to kind of go out there and say the same thing all of your peers are saying it's not easy to go against the grain. Okay. How do you feel about that? I think Kanye's full of it. <laughs> I really think that the guy's lived his whole life. I mean, much like a, a Madonna before that, like somebody whose whole value is reinvention or shock culture. I don't think he believes what he's saying. Like, I think this is a pure, so you got like the, I don't care that he put on the make a great, make America great thing yeah. or any of that. I don't think people should still be pointing against him for that. But then like, he just kept going down the road and I think he saw the attention he was getting from that. You know, no, there's no such thing as bad news, you know, or no publicity, yeah. whatever. So he ran with that. I mean, this, you can't have somebody that at one point is saying 400 years of slavery sounds like a choice. And when four years ago, he said George Bush doesn't care about black people. And if you listen to the first, I mean, he made that song Black Skinhead on the Easy album. I mean, there's there's so many things that like are empowering his his, his race. And then now he's almost like, he's got this thing where he's like, embrace, he's like embrace debate, free think, right? Yeah. Free think. That's the, that's the part I like about it. We don't have any problem embracing debate in the world. Like there is well, no... I kind of do. No... You think that there? I don't. I think there is less political correctness, almost to the point of being rude, over the last two years. I, I feel we might have to cut this segment. Yeah, sure. No, I don't think <laughs> I'm saying anything. I rude think yet. that in the past couple of years we've lost the ability to debate, and it's become like 
if you you either need to agree with me or you are evil or you are uh, everything becomes polarizing. Yeah, it's, it's like you there's can, only like two sides, a right, right. Or a wrong. it's either right yeah. or wrong. Not not, uh, and I feel like at least up until a few years ago, and you could probably attribute a lot of this to Trump and his rhetoric, but people could agree to disagree. Right. I feel True. like today it's like, well, you're just wrong. On both sides. I'm not but saying he's kinda, side. He's kind of doing that more, right? Isn't he putting more gas on the fire? So, like, who yeah. now, in 2018, out of the blue, decides, here's a topic we need to talk about, guys. <laughs> Slavery. Like, isn't that, like, the case? Like, if you see, if you look at any type of, like, approval ratings, or you just walk down the street, you have any pulse on not just your culture, but the culture, who's yeah. like, hey, I got an idea. Let's talk about Trump. He's my boy. Like, that is... Like throwing gasoline on a fire with the intent of making the flame bigger, not like let's embrace debate. He's trying to get more attention. I don't know. It's just hard for me. To... And the other part of that is like <laughs> Kanye as a person. So he appealed. The look at like Beyonce. Like the first four albums of Kanye were driven a lot towards not the poor, maybe not towards like. His the core hip hop fans, yeah, like it was very middle of the road. I mean, he was popping collars on polos and wearing the backpacks, and then it was all about fashion and just like a fast beat, and it was very commercialized, yeah, and it was very much like middle America, like what is yeah. the safest type of rap or music that anyone can listen to, right? And then he radicalized when his mom died and went out with these two kind of weird albums. With Pablo and with Yeezy that were like, <laughs> I'm getting deep right now, that were more like, I don't care if these are hits, these are just songs I want to yeah. make. Yep. And now it's almost, he's going even deeper, like he's just trying to make more noise. Seems like a lot of noise he's trying to make and looking for a signal in somewhere. And the signal that he got, I don't think, I think there's, he's calmed down a lot. Since the slavery, since the TMZ thing, he's calmed down. I think he finally realizes now like, whoa. This is a lot. Well, he has a new album coming out, right? Yes. C- convenient. Right. So we'll see the numbers of this album. If it changes, if his rhetoric changes, then my take is absolutely wrong. Right. He should stick to his guns, which his guns are probably unpredictable. That's why he kind of right. stands Well, what's for. his stance on guns? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we, we don't know that yet. Right. Um, but we'll see what the album sells. We'll see. Album sales, shoe sales. Oh, yeah. He's got the biggest. Keeping up with Kardashians. Yeah. Ratings, whatever. Um, well, that was just my pedestal. Oh, I didn't get my pedestal. I mean, that was Who, kind of a 10-minute uh, rant on Kanye. I forgot where I was going there. <laughs> Who do I put on a pedestal for me? Um, you know, right now, who I put on a pedestal is because of like, the sports that are going on right now in basketball. I really put uh, Brad Stevens on a pedestal. I mean, come on. Yeah, come on. That's coaching basketball right now. I give you Conway and you're giving me Brad He's the leader of men. Well, it's easy, yeah. (laughs) See, I'm not trying to embrace him. I'm giving something easy out. This guy takes a team of underperforming guys and and does something. I've put him on a pedestal. He's the best coach in the NBA. Probably the best coach ever. And I wonder if, like, I always look, I always love it. Like, so in business, like, it's really, uh, a lot of people go to sports for analogies or go to sports, like, leadership books and stuff. And I kind of have this feeling that, like, when the when the wave of Brad Stevens leadership books are like him speaking at a conference or yeah. like this is so like right now on my desk I have a uh, Lombardi 
book yeah. that talks about leadership and things. And yeah. I think his is going to be different. Yeah, definitely. You know? Partly, I mean, he came from, like, the corporate world. You know, he started Eli Lilly, was just helping out on the side with Butler basketball when he was in Indianapolis. And yeah. then, through default, became the Butler head coach. Yeah. Goes to two national championships, goes to Boston at, for the Celtics. But I just, I think that we're going to get a different side of, like, sports leadership to business leadership parallel. He's young. He's got a lot of books to write. Yeah, I think he's... He's my age. He might be a year younger than me. Yeah, he's Jesus. yeah, thirty four, thirty five. He's so young. Um, are you excited for? We can do a little. Can we yeah. get a little? Like a little version. Yeah, go ahead. So it's uh, LeBron versus Brad Stevens. Yeah, uh, two great coaches. <laughs> no, I, uh, I just don't. I think Cleveland's just. Yeah, I don't think. I don't see how LeBron loses. I don't see how he like stops right now. I think Boston has had so much like. Guys like Rozier playing out of their mind, like too many career years right now. Well, this is going to vindicate somebody. Yeah, it's either Brad Stevens. I mean, he's already. I mean, him and Pop are probably the best coaches in all of basketball. Right. Stevens is obviously the best young one, but if he can beat LeBron, right, with their best two players out, sure. I mean, that's that's just amazing. They get to the finals, yeah. and likewise, LeBron after all the turmoil Cleveland's been through. Right, and they I mean they traded half their team three months ago for nothing. Right, and, nobody's playing, and he trades. can get to the finals with the way he's playing. Right. I mean, it's just—I think it's a great story. I do too. Last piece, polarizing. What's your hottest take? It might have been the Bron- the uh, Kanye stuff. Yeah, I think that's that was my. That's hot your take. hot take. Yeah, uh, my hot take, and you know maybe it's the thing or. We won't, like, ne- as we start doing this, we give our hot takes and then that's it. We don't talk about them after. Like, you just give the hot take and then that's <laughs> That'd it. That'd be great. There's no, like, debate at all. We should not embrace, embrace debate. Like, wow, that was crazy. <laughs> uh, my hottest take is that you shouldn't look at what month of the year it is or what the calendar to decide what color pants you're going to wear. Oh, that's, that's good. Yeah, that's lame. I like it. I just noticed, like, it's not Labor it's not Memorial Day yet, and we had, like, six people wear white pants in the office yesterday. That's because it's, like, 80 degrees. Dress for the weather. <laughs> we dress for the weather here in EMI. Right. Uh, all right, that ends our four piece. I think those would be good. we got some work to fill out, but we'll get better. Uh, we're still going to do Mount Rushmore. So you want to do the Mount Rushmore for this month? Yeah, let's do it. For this I mean, for this episode? Uh, I gave it away. It's the Mount Rushmore months of the year. <laughs> Brian, what's your four best months of the year? All right, this is in order. Okay. All right. Best month of the year, May. Not, I'm not just saying because it's present, but I think it's going to be May. It's the really the start of spring, summer. Flowers are blooming. You get the whole summer ahead of you. You're planning vacations. It's just beautiful out. It's yeah. amazing, right? You have, we have Kentucky Derby, playoffs. There's all so much to do. Um, second month, best month of the year, October. October, yeah, football, yeah, fall. It's not cold out. You have some summer days. You have some fall days. It's amazing. I love October. Next is March. March, uh, March Madness, start of springtime. Uh, baseball's right coming around the corner. You have the Reds have hope. And then the final one is September. Are we gonna are we gonna align on this? September yeah. is another wonderful month for the same reasons as kind of October, just more football, more summer. Uh all right. Yeah, my first my number one is September. Um, Labor Day is such an underrated holiday. Yeah. It really is. Like that, oh, going back to, I just always think back, like, going back to school, Labor Day, seeing your friends again after the summer and stuff, college football starting, baseball's winding down, you start thinking about pro football starting, yeah. you know, it's it's a great month. Oh, amazing. And you still get enough nighttime, it's yeah. the best. 
And then there are all the festivals in Cincinnati in September. Um, Next, I have March. Um, I love St. Patrick's Day. Sometimes I love Easter in March. (laughs) (laughs) March Madness, obviously. And then um, I got May. Also, uh, TV sweeps. Come on. (laughs) I didn't think about that. It's the best. (laughs) And then um, I love that first Saturday in May because you usually have derby. You usually have a good fight. Um, there's playoff basketball, baseball's a little bit, you can at least start watching it and start to learn like what teams yeah. guys are on. And then my last one would be uh, July, because I love America, and obviously you don't. But <laughs> um, July, 4th of July, I love the 4th of July, I love like danger of fireworks, and uh, my birthday's in July. So nice. There we go. Um that does it for the Mount Rushmore of the week, best months of the year, and now we'll move into the wrap up. Oh my gosh, we're done. Actually, reading this, we're done. Um, you can catch us EMI on May nineteenth at the Apor with Adam Dietrich. Actually, I think it starts on the sixteenth, sixteenth, seventeenth, eighteenth, nineteenth in Denver. Um, you can catch us, me and you. Hey, we're gonna be together. What do you yeah. think about that? Atlanta. We're gonna be in Atlanta at IAX June eleventh through thirteenth. Be me and you will be recording a live podcast of this very podcast at the Barrel House on June twelfth. That is the Tuesday night. Currently, I do not believe, at least in the program, there's not any other events with IIEX. So um, it should be great. Please, everyone, come out. We'll buy you drinks. We'll put you on the podcast. I think we have four or five guests confirmed right now. Yeah. Really, we could do a hundred guests. Who cares? We'll be there for two hours. All night. Expensive. All night long. Yeah, I got to come to credit card. Bring a hot take. Yeah, bring whatever hot take you want, or a cold take. Tell us about what favorite, what summer movie you're looking forward to the most. <laughs> um, also, at that conference will be Tony Brown, Jason Enderhees, and Andrew DeSillis. Um, anything else, Brian? Anything going on this weekend? Um, this weekend is Mother's Day. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Both of our wives are moms. Yeah. You got anything yet? Well, I'm going to see my mom with my wife. Oh, you are on Great. Sunday, Elizabethtown, Kentucky. Yeah, and on Saturday, Johnny, our 16 year old, and and I are will be taking Sarah to a, kind of a late lunch because Johnny's going to prom on Friday night. Seeing that all night, so we're not going to do a normal lunch. We're going to do a dinner. Sure. Yeah. What about you? Uh, yeah, Mother's Day. Who? Um, I've already got. I got a gift. And I think my wife says she just wants to like eat pancakes and lay in bed all day. So that's kind of cool. That's awesome. It's me and the boys hanging out. That's a good day. Oh, and we got a bunch of uh, deck furniture to put together. So that's going to be great. Happy Mother's Day. I- Ikea style? It's, uh, I don't know where it's, I think it's, I don't know where it's from. Probably Target. I think it's part of that Chip Gaines, <laughs> yeah. like, menage that he's got going on. Or he... Is this one of those things that could take you an hour or like 14 hours? It says like <laughs> 60 to 1400 minutes to put it together. So yeah. that should be great. I look forward to all the, uh, uh, what's that, Allen wrenches. <laughs> floating around <laughs> Very Allen wrenches. That does it for episode 17 of IntelliCast. Please reach out to us to at IntelliCast at emi-rs.com. On Twitter, you can follow EMI, EMI underscore research, Adam Jolly, all one word, or the IntelliCast podcast, IntelliCast1 on Twitter. Man, i got to get that changed. I cannot wait until we're not IntelliCast1. Thanks again for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Showtime. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.